Tom Panos, John McGrath, back at home ground with Troy Malcolm at News Limited. I like playing out of this ground here. There's a lot of wins out of here. Johnny, welcome. Good to be back. I like it here as well. I, I feel uh, wealthier just walking in the door here at News Limited. Yeah, well, John... A lot of successful people have come through these doors. Well, I've got to tell you, the other day I was coming up the lift and um, I thought, I was trying to work out, is he, he's a real estate agent, why isn't he not seeing me? Um, and I looked at him, and I looked at him, and I thought he's coming up to speak to the CEO, Julian Clark. That's not a good thing when you've got a, a client that's ignoring you. It wasn't a real estate agent. It was Michael Clark, the cricketer. Ah, oh, good. It was okay. Michael Clark, the cricketer. He was coming up the lift, and then I was uh, pretty relieved actually because then I realised I knew him from cricket. Well, he didn't know he didn't know who I was. I, I think you've met him, haven't you, John? Yeah, yeah, no, he's a friend. He's, 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 a, he's, he's a, a good. He's a good guy. Beyond cricket, he's a sensational guy. Um, he's, he's an amazing cricketer, one of the best we've had, but just a good person. Like, you know, as, as you and I and, and Troy find with a lot of the great people that we meet in our travels, the greatest of the great are actually really good people as well. So Clarkie is, is a beauty. So I assume there's a little bit of sort of lunchtime cricket up here on level five. Yeah, well, John, what happens is uh, at around one o'clock, um, which you've, you've just missed, we actually have uh, guys, we play six over matches, you know. Uh, but, uh, John, talking about good guys, following up from last week, um, we spoke about Aaron at ARIC. We're going to follow, yeah. follow up and talk about some of the great speakers of ARIC. And you talk about a good guy, Chip. A good guy amazing. and a good presenter and content was amazing. And at the second day, John, we saw people break pieces of timber yeah, up yeah. on stage. Well, you know, I, I saw him do that, Tommy, like 20... I, I met Chip maybe 25 years ago and I saw him do that board break and it was a great metaphor. It's a bit like when you do the walk on hot coals with Tony Robbins. I think when you undertake an activity that looks very difficult, if not impossible, for you and you get to the end of it and you realise you can do it, it puts in perspective everything else about, I think, your life, that picking up the phone at 9am and making prospecting calls for an hour is actually not that hard. If you can yeah. walk over hot coals, yeah. phoning for an hour really ain't that hard. Because belief is a critical success in it, real it, estate. It really is. And also, you know, the law of familiarity says that we often think that things are hard until someone tells us about something that was ten times harder they did and then we put it into, into perspective. So um, I, I saw him do that board break, um, and you know, on the day, those at Eric would have known it well. It was a great part of the two days, where he taught three people within minutes uh, a process, and it wasn't just you know stand up here and punch through because they're actually very thick bits of timber, and they would have had sprained if not broken wrists if they did it. So he talked them through a process. He talked them through the belief, and there's a whole metaphor around it that not everyone got to hear because he was sort of coaching privately, but. Yeah, that was that was really good, and um, and everyone should go. I think it's Chip Eichelberger. If you just, I don't know his website, but if you put Chip Eichelberger into uh, Google, yeah. you'll find him, and he's got some great stuff on his website. He, he, he scored really good as a speaker there, didn't number he? One. Number he, he one. He was a number one speaker. So, right. um, and as you and I had discussed, that was my prediction because I've seen him speak before on a number of occasions, and every time he just he ends up being the highest rater. So, so that was good, and and some of the things. I mean, he says a lot of really good, solid, basic things. Tom, one of the things that I've noticed down here that he'd, he'd given the story of, you have to get the first row plumb. And it's a, sort of an old bricklaying or, or mason's term that, you know, if you're about to lay, build a, a fence in your garden or, the, or in your house, if you don't get the first row plumb, which means absolutely solid, even, not crooked, no cracks, it's bedded down, rock solid, 
whatever you build on top is going to crack and potentially have disastrous. So he talked about that in life and he said, you know, whatever you're doing, whether you're listing a property, you've got to get the first row plumb. You've got to have your, your set to sell meeting with your vendor where you, you manage their expectations and you talk through a number of things that could or couldn't happen. You've got to get the marketing right. There's no point going for the old cheapo marketing pack and then complaining in three or four weeks. You've actually got to tell them what they need to do to maximise the sale price of their home. Um, if you don't get any of those things relating to a sale right up front, the paperwork, the fee, the marketing, uh, the expectations, it's all going to go horribly wrong at some point, almost guaranteed. Um, the same in your career. I mean, you know, we're going to be talking shortly, I think, as, we're, as we speak, we're at the beginning and the end of the old financial year, beginning of the new one. If you don't get the first 30 days of your year right, yeah. it's going to be a tough year. Or that's at, 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 at worst, but at, even at best, it's going to be a year well below your best. So I love the metaphor, and I just think of it constantly when I'm in meetings and I'm starting new projects, is you've got to get the first row plumb, P-L-U-M-B, I figure. I yeah. don't know, I'm not, I, I yeah. did poorly at school, so I'm not sure. But you've got to get it even and rock solid to really build on it from there. So I thought that was, you know, we talked last week about um, Jordan's uh, metaphor about movies and how people get emotional at movies, even though they're scripts. This is one of those other little things that I, since Eric, every day I've carried through my life. And I thought, you've got to get the first row plumb. You've but John, right. isn't it amazing that even though Eric would have delivered 385 ideas to someone, the truth is that you could move forward in your life with changing three perspectives, three um, strategies, three ideas, three game changers, and those three things alone, if you actually have them top of mind and you do them and you live them and you breathe them, they have a profound effect on your life. Oh, game changers, and, and I did speak at the event um, about a few of the comments, sentences or, or pieces of advice people have given me that definitely change. Uh, and I talk about words change lives. Um, funny, I'll divert from Eric for a second. I was coaching a new member of our team who's just started. I'm very excited. <clears throat> she did about 400000 in another company last year. She's just joined us and I said up front, you know, what do you want to do this year? Because I like to have an initial coaching session with our new team members and she said well I'd like to 2x I've heard you talk about 2x I said fabulous we can do that um, and I said so 800 let, we might even bump that to a million but let's talk about 800 <clears throat> then I said so what are you going to do differently and she didn't have an answer so I said okay well that's okay you got the goal so let's now talk through the plan and I talked about prospecting so I say prospect list sell there's three things in real estate what are you going to do different with prospecting she said, oh, I'm not sure. What do you suggest? And I said, well, what are your centres of influence? So the key people in your community, and Jordan Belford called them uh, shot callers. So the people that influence the community. And she said, well, I've got a few, but I probably don't connect with them as regularly as I could. And I said, what about multiple sellers? How about, have you got any? She said, no, no. I said, developers, there's got to be the area that she's going to work with us. There's a lot of units <coughs> and a lot of small developers, therefore. And I said, how many developers? And she said, oh... Developers, uh, they just want to deal with men. And I stopped and I said, wow. So I said, you've heard me talk about mooring lines, haven't yeah. you? She said, yeah. I said, I'm not being rude, but whilst you hold that belief, it will be true. I said, I don't think developers care about the gender of their agent. They want a great agent that follows through, that has great product knowledge, or as we said last week, that is as enthusiastic as hell, sharp as a tack, and an expert in their field. I said, they come in all different shapes and sizes genders, age groups, That's and so forth. So that was one. It was interesting. In the same conversation, so then I went on to talk about other areas, and I, and I 
you'll like this one, Tommy. I, I, I said to her, um, what about this particular area? I said, that's, I think that's a really hidden gem and it's near your core area, but if you're gonna go from 400 to 800, you have to build market share in your current area, but you might have to also look at an adjacent area. And she said, yeah, and I knew there was a hesitation. I said, what, you don't like the area? She said, I really like it. And I said, why the hesitation? And she said, well, she said, I'm not being rude, but she said, the community there is of a certain ethnicity, which Tom, you belong to. Yeah. A lot of Greek people yeah. in that community. And she said, they really just like dealing with Greek agents. And the same, and I stopped again. I said, you know, this is fantastic. I said, we're already at 800 because I'm going to remove all your mooring lines. Because yeah. I said, again, is that true for 20% of the community? I agree with you. They might have a language barrier, a cultural barrier. They might want to deal with someone that actually yeah. they connect to at a cultural level and certainly a language level. But I said, the other 80% are looking for someone that's as sharp as a tack, enthusiastic as hell, and expert in their field. Oh, and Greeks, they probably want a good deal. Is that <laughs> <laughs> that's a given, I was about to say. He's, he's up to number four, he hasn't covered the number. <laughs> now, for all the listeners, Tom and I have a very close relationship. Many of my closest friends are Greeks, so I can say that. I'm not yeah, he's, he's with us, guys. Don't worry, he's on our side. <laughs> but it was interesting that in reality, that we had peeled off two mooring lines. One was she felt that all developers wanted to deal with males. And the second, she felt that, and it could be Italian, could be Lebanese, there are a lot of, you know, sort of ethnic groups aggregated in all our markets. And if you walk in there thinking with a belief that they want to deal with someone with their same heritage, which is true for 20%, but for 80%, I suspect is absolutely not true. Mm. So that was just an interesting thing. John, it's funny you say that. I was looking at, about three months ago, one of my old diaries or journals, things that I used to write from SMI, Success Motivation Institute. Mm-hmm. I was, do you remember them, John? I think they were 80s or 90s, and I, I was do. reading some of the stuff, and I tell you, after it was like reading, a library, wasn't it? It was like a library. And was, they did seminars. And, yeah, oh, I loved it. It was really, really good. One of the things I noticed, and I look back at my life, it's not the things that I didn't know, it's the things that I knew I was certain, but I was wrong that had a worse impact on my personal development. Yeah. When you actually believe something that's a lie, is actually worse than not knowing a thing at all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think what you said there is that belief set that I've got to be a guy to handle developers, I've got to be Greek to deal with locals in that area, which I've got to tell you, uh, and this is coming from someone of Greek origin, though I was, I was born here, I'm, I can speak very fluent Greek, and I've got a lot to do with the Greek community, and I can tell you that the majority, not all, majority of Greeks uh, would actually not care one bit yeah. as long as they can converse, yes. which most can, because they've been here for 20, yeah, 30, 40 years. Yeah. So, but but yeah. it's funny that for that particular agent that I was coaching, clearly... Even though it's not a reality, it's not a fact, it was a fact for her at that point in time until I shifted it. So for principals that are listening, imagine how much money is being out the, out the door in your office, slipping through the cracks, because every agent that's working under you or with you, alongside you, probably has a similar group of mooring lines. Yeah. And another one, a couple of days later, I was talking to one of my guys about, and he's, oh, I'll tell you who it is, Kieran Bresnan, because it's, yeah, it's a great story and Kieran loves sharing, and he's one of our great agents. And, He's like one and a half to two million dollar performer Bright, down Bright, at Brighton and Hurst. Ex butcher, <coughs> ex butcher, great right. champion guy. I love Kieran. And and uh, one of the footballers 
that I uh, I'm on the board of South Sydney, as some some people know. Well, we knew that, John, from your PowerPoint <laughs> slide. Don't it? It's the only PowerPoint. I no words. All it had was a rabbit <laughs> and no relevance, which is even funnier. Anyway, you know, one one of the team members was down there looking for property with Kieran. Anyway, long story short is he missed out on it because his finance wasn't ready and someone else bought it. And I said to Kieran, as I knew he would, I said, I want you to look after this client of mine and, you know, until he and his family can find a home. And he said, yeah, no problem. And then I paused and I said, KB, what are you going to do about that? He said, oh, well, I'll put them on the buyer database, which is what we do. And he said, I'll add, add them to my hot buyers list. And he said, I'll make sure anything that comes up, they'll be the first phone call we make to get them through. And I said, well, that's good. What are the chances that that's going to sell them a property. So I said, what we're really saying is between now and when they find their ideal home, we're expecting that you're going to list that. What are the chances? And he said, oh, I guess, you know, maybe 40, 50%. I said, maybe 10, 20, really. I said, how about this? I'll help you double your sales this year, Kieran. Why don't you have one of your great young team members, he's got a couple of young people that work with him who are brilliant. I said, why don't you have them door knock every home in that and the adjoining suburbs that looks exactly like the one they've just missed out on and present the fact that you have a buyer ready to go that is looking for a home just like theirs. I said, so 10 to 20%, what do you think that raises the likelihood? And he said, oh God, you're right, that'd probably make it 70 to 80. I said, yeah, spot on. So I said, for everyone listening here, it's really easy to have an underbidder at an auction and then just like put them on your buyers list and hope something comes along. Monday morning, why aren't you looking at every client you've sold a similar house to five years ago, because guess what, five to seven years is about the time people move. Yeah. Ring them up, say, I've got a few underbidders, they missed out on a home like yours. Have you and your husband or you and your wife considered moving? So start that process. So a lot of people sit there and they say, well, how am I going to 2X this year? Well, get proactive. Start you know, really shaking the trees and looking for opportunities. So not just looking for opportunities to list, but when you've got a hot buyer or 10 or 20, Go and try and find them a home and create that opportunity rather than waiting for it to flow along. John, that's gold. One of the things that um, agents say to me is they don't know reasons why to contact people. And you're just saying to you uh, there that there is a great reason. It's not a made-up story. Here's a fact that someone is devastated that they've missed out on a house. Yeah. You're a matchmaker. You know that these people have got a similar house and you're saying you can have a really good reason to actually call these people. And imagine, Tom, if you made 10 of those calls a week. Because we've all got 10 qualified, well, we should all have 10 qualified buyers and hopefully the listeners have got 50, 60 or 100. But as a minimum of 10. And if you, rather than just waiting for someone to ring you, possibly that'll match them, you made 10 calls to people you either knew or you don't know that live in homes like that and just say, just in case, I just wanted to plant the seed in case you've considered selling because I have a buyer who's... 10 of those calls, you might go for a month without getting one, then all of a sudden, bang, someone says, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about selling, bring them around. You put that deal together, that's an extra 10 to 15 sales a year. For a lot of people, that's 2Xing. Yeah. For, for other people, at least it's a 20 to 30% increase. So, and by the way, the other 40 seeds you've planted, they will grow. If you then put them on your database, you then send them information, drop your magazine around, whatever collateral you've got, keep them on a, on, a, on a list to ring every six months, all of a sudden that phone call will actually be many more. But the other, one that, uh, the other thing that Chip sp- talked about, he used a lot of metaphors. One was, you know, Sally Pearson, like yeah. she won the Olympics, right? Yeah. Great athlete. And um, he talked about Sally Pearson's 12 hurdles. 
So, Tom, her event apparently, and I didn't know this until he spoke about it, but her event has 10 hurdles. I think it's 100 metres hurdles, mm-hmm. 10 hurdles. And he said when she trains, she trains over 12 hurdles because what she was finding when she wasn't winning the World Cup and the World Championships, often you know she'd be in front with a hurdle or two to go and her stamina or whatever, her mental focus or her physical, um, physical prowess was just falling short and people were nabbing her on the line. So her and her coach devised that she would go those extra 20%. So she would push through. So if she knew that if she could do a strong 12 hurdles, she sure as hell could do a strong 10 yeah. hurdles. And so then Chip asked the question is, you know, what are your 12 hurdles? What are the extra phone calls you're making? What are the extra activities you're doing to go beyond your budget or beyond your expectations or more importantly, beyond your client's expectations? So, you know, he said you've got to train and push yourself to go further, go beyond. And, and when he did that board break, that is one of the things he gets the people to visualise. He says, when you hit the board, don't, don't focus on, on hitting the board, focus on one foot behind the board. Yeah. So then when you bring it through, the board is just a, like a, something that gets in the way as your yeah. fist is going towards, your, your palm is going towards that extra one foot beyond. And so a really good metaphor. So I really like that Sally Pearson 12, 12 hurdles. John, I know that we're uh, running out of time, but it would be remiss of us of not actually just mentioning some of those, the local talent that this year we had. As you said, that there was no low spots at this conference. Every person was either a 10, 9 or an 8. There was no low numbers. Some, you know, Tostevin, extraordinary. We had a guy there, and I don't think it's ever happened before that one single person was able to talk about how he runs a $5 million sales operation as a sales agent. And has been to every ARIC, and I'm not saying that's a plug for ARIC, I'm just saying the guy gets to the training event. You'd think the $5 million guy He's nearly, what was that, like $6 million man. Steve Stumlin used to be years ago. Troy, you weren't born, but Tom and I, Tom and I were yeah, six, really born. Yeah, you just reminded me. <laughs> six Pull out the old video, VHS videos and watch it tonight. <laughs> He'll be the first $6 million, Steve Austin, $6 Steve. million man. Um, but the guy's in the front row. When he's not speaking, he's still in the front row. Um, and he was fantastic. I mean, I love Michael Pallia. I mean, how, how good was that, John? You know, Michael was going to play a video, and the video uh, yeah. wasn't on. But I tell you what, this guy here was extraordinary. I mean, Troy, looking at him, I think he had everyone captivated because he's authentic, he makes everyone feel special. And John, here's a guy from Wollongong that is probably working in the most aggressive, most at-risk marketplace in was Australasia. He was a mechanic from Wollongong, and I don't say that to be at all disrespectful to mechanics, but to go from a mechanic which is kind of like a hard sort of blue-collar kind of trade to white-collar dealing with owners of $50 million homes is a big leap, more than most people would envisage. And, and I had the great pleasure to have known Mike when he was a mechanic because I used to work for Toyota when I was a car trainee car salesman and he ended up working for Toyota and then I met him and, and you know, long story short, he's now one of the top agents on the planet. Mm. You know, he, he's not that far behind James Tostevin in terms of the numbers he writes and He's quirky. He's just like very different from the rest, and he's he's a real charm. He he, he 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 got everyone on board. Uh, you got to say something. Josh? I was just going to say, Troy, that video. I think that it played up on the day. We were going to try and get that to people. Are we able to get uh, I think that? It's on the Tret website. If not, I'll send a link out this week. Can you check that up? Because Tret.com.au, You have a look at that because we apologise. We had a technical malfunction on the day, but uh, it is a good video. I'm told. I haven't seen it yet. Well, so. I've seen John. It's pretty much the Australian version of million dollar listing in terms of it's 
beautiful to watch because it's got these nice homes and it's got Michael Pallia having his typical day and it shows a bit of his life at home with his uh, wife. Lulu. Yeah, she, and she was, she was there, wasn't amazing, she? Amazing, amazing lady. And the other thing that he said, Tom, which I didn't know at the time, but he said, I don't go into the office. He said, there are days when my assistant never sees me. In fact, he said, sometimes my assistant doesn't go in. He works from his apartment at Bondi. But he said, we just get it done. So it was interesting. Nowadays with technology, he's saying, I leave home. I go to my first appointment. I go to appointments during the day. If I need to have a pit stop, I stop and have a coffee at a cafe and then go on the internet and then, then get back. So it's amazing how many agents, I think, anchor themselves behind a desk and they spend far too much time doing stuff that, that is non-dollar productive but yeah. doesn't risk the rejection. He's out there in front of vendors and buyers asking for business. So anyway, look really great. So go and check that out. Um, our panels, Andrew Sorensen, Kirsten Mueller, Mark DiGiulio, they were all superb. They loved all of them. Kirsten, she was, she was great. I mean, Incredible. so... Um, uh, basic for someone to understand that in two years she just wanted to get as much cut through but John the one I wanted to touch on is Vivian before oh, I introduced Vivian, Vivian you know yeah. she's John she said to me Tom what am I doing here I'm not <laughs> like these people and I said what are you talking she goes I'm not I'm not that good this is 30 seconds before she's being introduced yeah she's a person that I think she just outworks and outnices the competition yeah, she, she was a breath of fresh air because I think she came from a pharmacist background. Yeah. So again, very different to real estate. She made a career decision. Someone wanted to buy a business, she said, I'll give real estate a go. Um, and she is just phenomenal. I've got no doubt that what she's... What about her morning ritual, John? She wakes up, uh, gets the kids ready, cooks the husband work and then goes off and writes three and a half million in GCI for the 12 months. Amazing. Extraordinary. Amazing. So. Uh, yeah, I think fantastic. What a great event. So um, we're, we're, we'll keep reporting from time to time because I think there'll be other things that float to the surface, but we definitely want to spend these two weeks doing a full-on catch-up. Um, Troy's winding us up, so we don't want to upset Troy. Um, so we will, uh, we'll be back next week, and God knows what we'll be talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think, John, I think we're into the new year. I think it's a good time to take stock and say, um, you got the next 12 months ahead of you. The tax office thinks that. So what are you going to do about it? Let's do it. Thank you, Tom Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, Million Dollar Agent. <laughs>